ESPN Radio. Harry, I'm sitting here wondering if the Green Bay Packers felt like this was worth going through what they've been through the last couple of years, drafting Jordan Love without telling Aaron Rodgers about it a couple of seasons ago. I'm just putting that out there. This is ESPN Radio, Sirius XM Channel 80, ESPN Plus, Harry Douglas, Chris Canty, and of course, we're reacting to Aaron Rodgers, not only with the social media post on Instagram last night, with the gratitude is the wine of the soul, so go on and get drunk, but then also (laughs) what he did on the Pat McAfee show today, coming out and saying that his message on social media wasn't cryptic and that it made full sense to him why he was putting this out there, just showing a reflective Aaron Rodgers as he goes through the offseason, you know, as a precursor to him making his final decision on what he's going to do with his football future. Harry, it's confusing for me. It's hard to decipher all of these things that Aaron Rodgers is putting out there on all of these different platforms. But the one thing, Harry, the one thing that I have yet to understand is why when you make this social media post on Instagram and you talk about the gratitude and all of this other stuff, why the first picture that you post is that of your ex fiance <laughs> after you went through a very public breakup and she said or she cited the differences in your values and morals as to the reason why she decided that she no longer be, wanted to be with you. That's the part of the game that I don't understand because I've been through breakups before. Like I'm engaged now, about to be married later this summer, but I've been in relationships before. I've been through breakups before. Why do you want to lead with that one, bruh? Help me understand. The football world is waiting on you to make a decision that you said wasn't going to take you a long time to get to, and yet you post some pictures of Shailene Woodley. Help me understand this, Harry. Break it down for me. I love her. Chris, I need her (laughs) back. I'd do anything. I'd change my morals. I'd change my values. I need her in my life. I just need her, Chris. Well, she's not coming back, but Green Bay (laughs) wants to know, are you coming back? They're ready to show him the love. They're talking about going all in, restructuring deals, voidable years at the back end of deals, mortgaging whatever capital that it takes in order to hang on to as many core pieces so they can run it back with Aaron Rodgers, and yet he still feels like he's noncommittal. They even brought back his former quarterback's coach to be the current quarterback's coach, Tom Clements. It seems like it's a really strange state of affairs, But according to Aaron Rodgers, he doesn't really have an update on what his future is going to be. This is him on the Pat McAfee Show this afternoon. You know, let me just put this disclaimer out right away for the few people watching that are tuning in just for a specific uh, maybe news or decision. There will be no news today, no decision on on my future. Uh, As I was texting with you yesterday, I just got out of a 12-day Panchakarma. Uh, look that up. Uh, I know you did after we talked. Uh, <laughs> but it's a cleanse that you know originated in India. It's been going on for thousands of years. And it's something I've done in the off-season. So I'm just getting my head above above the sand now and uh, seeing what's going on out there. But, um, but no decision about my future today. <laughs> Harry Douglas and Chris Candy on ESPN Radio. And Harry, Aaron Rodgers needed to go on a cleanse because you know what? He's been full of crap for a really long time when it comes to being noncommittal with the Green Bay Packers organization and essentially keeping the coaches and the players in limbo, knowing that their families have some critical decisions to make based on what he's going to do. Because we had the opportunity to talk to ESPN Green Bay Packers reporter Rob Demosky on the show last hour, and he made it clear that it sounded like Aaron Rodgers, if he doesn't come back to Green Bay, 
the Packers organization is going to go through a full-fledged rebuild. So that can create a really, really tough set of circumstances for not just the coaches and the front office, but also some of the players that are waiting this thing out to see which way Aaron is going to go. Yeah, and I think one of the, the worst parts of this that no one is talking about is that the Green Bay Packers say they're going to go all out and do everything to keep Aaron Rodgers, which I understand he is a uh, back-to-back MVP. He's he's one of a kind. He's one of the best quarterbacks to play the game. Uh, him and Patrick Mahomes, I think, from a talent perspective, are the best to ever play this game. But at the same time, you're putting all your marbles into someone who is giving you something back on the football field, but not a Lombardi trophy where it started at right there in Green Bay. So I, I, I don't know. The Packers in this situation are looking desperate. And I, I, I understand it, but I don't understand it because he's continuously giving you the runaround, uh, not just this year or this offseason, but last offseason, during the entire season. And he has so much stuff going on off the field. Uh, I'm just wondering at what point will enough be enough? And for Aaron Rodgers, I think he needs to hurry up and make a decision so he doesn't leave that organization in limbo. Limbo. That's what, that's, I think that's one of the decent things that he can do. Yeah, I mean, listen, the Packers are a bottom two team when it comes to cap space. They're nearly $50 million over the cap, so they got some tough decisions to make. But, Harry, I I, I don't know if I necessarily agree with your take that Aaron Rodgers is one of the best quarterbacks to have ever played this game right there with Pat Mahomes. Like, I don't know if I can put him in that GOAT conversation. I mean, he hadn't even been in as many Super Bowls as Pat Mahomes, and Pat Mahomes is in his, what, fifth year? So I, I don't know. I struggle when it comes to trying to – evaluate what Aaron Rodgers' greatness is, but I do recognize this. The Green Bay Packers have an opportunity with Aaron Rodgers to contend at a championship level, and over the past three years, they just haven't gotten over the hump, and I don't know that we haven't seen Aaron Rodgers have his last best chance with that organization just because I recognize how difficult it's going to be for them to keep all of the pieces together, but one of the new pieces that the organization did bring in was quarterbacks coach Tom Clements was the former quarterbacks coach and now they brought him back out of retirement to be the current quarterback coach in hopes of wooing Rodgers back to the Packers here's Aaron Rodgers this afternoon or what Tom Clements has meant as his quarterbacks coach and then him coming back to the Packers Tom Clements got hired to be the quarterback coach of the Packers Tom and I go way back I love Tom I mean Tom is I owe him so much credit for my development, so I'm, I'm happy to see him back in a game. The game is better when Tom Clements is coaching because he's one of those special, special coaches. Doesn't get all the credit he deserves. He's kind of just been uh, one of those lifer guys uh, in the business, but fantastic teacher of the game and, and uh, great for young players as well. Like when I was a young player, offseason was obviously different back then, but, man, he was instrumental in my development for sure. Harry, why does Aaron Rodgers do this to us? We know why they're asking the question. They're not asking you to go on a soliloquy about Tom Clemens. We're, we don't We don't want that. We don't want to hear that. We want to know, is this enough to sway you to come back to Green Bay? That's all people want to know. And we, if you can't give an answer to that question, then punt on it. We don't need you to give us Tom Clemens' resume. We don't need it. <laughs> Nobody asked for that, bro. Nobody asked for it. Yeah, everybody wants to know – if the proof in the pudding is true, if Tom Clements being back in Green Bay, is that enough to get you, A-Rod, to say that you're going to be back with the Green Bay Packers with a chance to win a Super Bowl or at least get to the Super Bowl? Because, no, you haven't got there since 2010. But for A-Rod, but I, it, it go back, goes back to what I said earlier, though, Chris. 
he does this thing where he 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 talks in those circles and he just drags things along, drags it along because he wants to control that narrative. At the end of the day, he doesn't want anybody else to have the narrative on on himself. He wants to control it at all times, and that's, that's another an example of it right there. Harry, I want to get off the treadmill of Aaron Rodgers because I want to focus on other quarterbacks that do more high-level winning than Aaron Rodgers. That's Stop what I want to do. Stop. That's what I want. I'm tired of being caught up <laughs> in Aaron Rodgers right now, the glow, him supposed to be this bad man. If he's so bad, why can't you beat Jimmy Garoppolo in a Niners offense that couldn't score a touchdown in the playoffs? Yes. If you're so bad, why did it only take them eight passes in the NFC Championship game three years ago in order to beat you? If you're so bad, yes, why Lord. couldn't you beat Tom Brady uh -huh. when you were at home in the NFC Championship game against the Bucs? Say Tell why? me, if you were that bad, why didn't all of those things happen? You know why? Because <laughs> you keep too much drama going on around you, and drama is not something that leads Chris. to championships, at least not in football. Chris. Respectfully. Can the congregation say amen? amen? Amen. Amen. So we want you guys to chime in. If I'm dead wrong or if you think I'm on point, get at me on the candy calling line, 888-SAY-ESPN. That's 888-729-3776. What do you think Aaron Rodgers is going to do this offseason? And if he does leave, what's the best landing spot for him? But coming up next, which former franchise quarterback has a better shot at being a week one starter, Jameis Winston or Sam Darnold? Harry and I will have the answer for you on the other side of the break. This is ESPN Radio. ESPN Radio. Harry Douglas and Chris Canny on ESPN Radio and ESPN Plus. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Hit us up on the Candy Call-In line, 888-SAY-ESPN. That's 888-729-3776. Trying to figure out what the best landing spot for Aaron Rodgers is is going to be next season. If he doesn't come back with the Green Bay Packers, we want to hear from you guys. So hit us up again on the Candy Calling Line at 888-729-3776. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Drivers who switch and save with Progressive save over $700 on average. Harry, all of this talk about Aaron Rodgers has got me thinking about other quarterbacks that could be in the mix to be starters with their respective teams, or at other places in the National Football League in 2022. So we thought this might be a good spot to kind of think about what could be as we get ready for the combine and we get ready for the start of the new league year in March, what the futures could be for some former franchise quarterbacks that are looking to jumpstart their careers at another spot. So, Shannon, without further ado. Ooh, hear that beautiful NFL music. It just oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Get you going. Get that energy. You know, absolutely. All right, here we go. We'll start with you today, Harry. Which one of these QBs will be a week one starter? We'll start with Jameis Winston. Is Jameis going to be a week one starter next season? What do you got, Harry? I'm going to say yes, but it's going to be with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the team that he left. Wow. He, the return of Jameis Winston. Yes, he was the number one draft pick. Uh, I believe it was 2015 for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Jameis has had an opportunity to learn a lot of different things since leaving. I see him being welcomed back with open arms. Harry, what's that line that Jay-Z's had? Once you have filet mignon, you can't go back to hamburger helper. <laughs> I mean, that's essentially what Bruce Arians is going to be doing, leaving from Tom Brady and going back to Jameis Winston. I, I don't see them running it back with that dude. They ain't going for two with Jameis down there. It's not going to happen. The, Jameis Winston's not going to be a starter for the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But I will say this. It's a quarterback star of league, and I can absolutely see Jameis Winston being a starter, somebody like the Washington football team, 
Ron Rivera, they call him Riverboat Ron for a reason. He's not somebody that's risk-adverse. They got some weapons on the offensive side of the ball, Antonio Gibson and Scary Terry, and they've got a defense that, even though they took a step back last year because of injuries, has had some really good pieces. So maybe the Washington football team could be in the Jameis Winston market. Just putting that out there. That's a good pick. All right, let's move on to Mitchell Trubisky. Chris, will Mitchell Trubisky be a week one starter next season? No, because I don't think Mitchell Trubisky will be allowed to beat out Daniel Jones with the New York Giants. Listen, Joe Shane and Brian Dable came down from Buffalo. They had Mitch Trubisky as their backup quarterback to Josh Allen. I think there are a lot of similarities in terms of the physical skill set that Mitch is bringing to the table with Daniel Jones. So it seems like a natural spot for the Giants to bring in some competition to try to push Daniel Jones along and see if they can get him to realize his full potential. I think they end up signing Mitch Trubisky in free agency, but he's not going to end up being a starting quarterback for the New York Giants, so I'm going to say no. Yeah, I agree with Chris. I think he's actually going to go to the Giants. He's familiar with that system and also the athleticism. You look at Daniel Jones, you look at Mitchell Trubisky, you look at Josh Allen. Now, none of those guys are more athletic than Josh Allen, but they have that athletic uh, mindset and that build when it comes to their body types. Now, you said week one. I think Mitchell Trubisky at some point will become the starter Ooh. if Daniel Jones Ooh. doesn't do what he's supposed to do. Okay. All right. Wow, that's interesting news for my New York Giants. <laughs> Moving on. All right, Harry, this one is for you. Marcus Mariota, will he be a week one starter in the NFL next season? Oh, this is a tough one. I'm going to go – I'm, I'm going to say no. Does he have the potential to be one? Yes. The thing with Marcus Mariota, and I actually was with him in 2015 when he was drafted with the Tennessee Titans, he just couldn't stay healthy. The injuries has, has played his career. Now, if Marcus can stay healthy and you have your starter not doing well or go down, I think he can start then. But just come out and be a starter next year in the National Football League, I don't see it. Yeah, I don't see Marcus Mariota doing that as well. Because of the injury concerns, I just don't see a team gambling on him to be their QB1. Is he potentially going to be a part of the quarterback mix, be a part of a quarterback room, and allowed to compete for the starting job going into training camp? Sure, but I don't see him being tabbed as their week one starter. The only way I see a path to him being the week one starter in the National Football League is if somebody loses their quarterback at the start of training camp and there's blood in the water and a team is desperate in trades for Marcus Mariota. But other than that, I don't see him as a week one starter. You're listening to Harry Douglas and Chris Canny on ESPN Radio playing the game of what if with former franchise quarterbacks that could be week one starters in 2022. Shannon, what we got? All right, Chris, here we go. Teddy Bridgewater, will he be a week one starter next season? Chris, what do you got? Yeah, I'm going to say Teddy Bridgewater can be a week one starter. He's a bridge over troubled waters for a lot of team, and there's no team more trouble when it comes to the quarterback position than the Indianapolis Colts. I've been caping for the Colts to go all in on a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers or like a Russell Wilson, but in the event they swing and miss, which is a strong possibility. Teddy Bridgewater will be there waiting in the wings. This will be Frank Reich's, what, fifth quarterback in as many seasons? And Frank Reich has found a way to have winning seasons in all but one year of his tenure. So I think that Teddy Bridgewater would be an option for a team that looks to play that ball control style on offense with Jonathan Taylor as their running back and is supported by a really strong defense. So, yes, I do think Teddy Bridgewater would be a week one starter. And if I had to pick a place, I'd say Indy. I do believe Teddy Bridgewater would be a starter, a week one starter as well. You look at the sweater from 
Louisville. Shout out to Tom Jackson and Chris <laughs> Berman. But here, I, here's the place I think he's going to be, and it's a place he's very familiar with. Oh, when the Saints go marching in. Oh, when the Saints go marching in. You know that? Now, I'm scared to say this and do this stuff on this TV right here because I am from Atlanta. And the people are probably going to give me hell about yeah, it. Yeah, they feel a way about it. The Falcons fans feel a way but about those, those Saints fans. I'm just saying. My yeah. in-laws are from New Orleans. So that's the only way. I'm going to give them hope. I'm going to give them hope. But trust me, Falcons fans, I'm not on their side. I promise. Yeah, Harry, I don't know if you can straddle the fence between the Falcons and the Saints fans. I don't know if they even let you do that, even if you are family. <laughs> I don't know that that works. Shannon, what we got next? All right, we got one more. We'll finish this out one more. Jimmy Garoppolo. Harry, Jimmy Garoppolo. Is he going to be a starter week one next season? Yes. The Pittsburgh Steelers, they're calling his name. If Jimmy G was on that team last year, he would have did better than Big Ben because Big Ben just couldn't get the football down the field. But they have the running back. They have the receivers. They have the defense. Now, the defense got to get better than they were last year, but that's the reason why you bring in a Brian Flores. You hire a Terrell Austin as your defensive coordinator. So I got Jimmy G being a week one starter right in Pittsburgh. And Pittsburgh doesn't have to give up an arm and a leg, as Max Kellerman just say, just an arm. Yeah, I like, I like the Pittsburgh Steelers as a potential destination, but I think that's with – a young quarterback that the Pittsburgh Steelers take high in the NFL draft. I think it'll be Correct. something along those lines. And I'm not necessarily sure that Jimmy G would be a week one starter, but if I had to bet it, there are going to be a lot of teams that are desperate to upgrade the quarterback position. They're going to take huge swings at guys that could be pried from their current situation um, in the trade market. The team that misses out on the Russell Wilson, the Aaron Rodgers, they're going to look at Jimmy Garoppolo. He's going to be at the top of that list, and Pittsburgh could be one of those destinations. The Denver Broncos could also be in play as well. So I, I with you guys, I'm not going to say that one with my chest, but Jimmy G is a week one starter. And so there it is. That's the game, week one starter or not. Harry and I pretty much see things the same way for the most part. One or two differences in there, but that's okay. <laughs> I get it. You went to Louisville. You can't be perfect, not like a guy from Virginia, so it's all good. Not going to hold that against you. But coming up next, the Rodgers that everyone is talking about will join the show. But first, a word from eBay. ESPN Radio. Chris Canning on ESPN Radio and ESPN Plus. We're presented by Progressive Insurance and Harry. There's a lot going on in Major League Baseball right now with the players being locked out and – the owners going back and forth with Tony Clark and the MLBPA, the Players Union, in discussions about a new CBA. For more information on those discussions, we're going to go out to the hotline and bring on ESPN Major League Baseball reporter Jesse Rogers. And Jesse, I know you're a busy man this time of the year with this back and forth that's happening. We heard about the five-hour meeting that took place yesterday afternoon with not a lot of movement from either side in this. I know that the competitive balance tax has been an issue that the players have highlighted seeing as how the owners have used that as a de facto salary cap for the sport. Can you tell us whether or not the players are willing to give on that in the negotiations with the owners as they try to flesh out a new collective bargaining agreement? Well, they haven't yet, and I'm watching the players leave the uh, ballpark here in Jupiter, Florida, where they're negotiating with the league. The meeting ended just a while ago, three hours today, five hours yesterday. But they have not given in on their um, latest proposal, which is to have a – cap at 245 245 million the league is proposing it starts at 214 million so
So shortly we're going to hear from league officials and uh, get their view on things. But the union moved a little bit today, just like the league moved a little bit yesterday. It's kind of like a game of cat and mouse right now. Nothing serious happening. I'm sure as we get closer to some sort of deadline for the start of opening day, we'll see um, we'll see some movement. But uh, I think we're going to talk to league officials in a moment here, so I have another minute with you. Uh, but, you know, it's kind of weird how they make a little movement yesterday and the union responds with a little movement. Like, nobody wants to make that big first move. Jesse, with the lockout going on, is there a concern for the future of Major League Baseball? No, I don't think so. Look, there's going to be baseball. My, my prediction is worst-case scenario, they miss a month of the season. Not great. But I'm always trying to find the optimism, sort of the optimistic approach. If they miss a month, they'll still have five months. We'll still have a World Series. We'll still give out awards. And we'll have a new CBA. And that means five, six years of of hopefully financial health with this team, with this league. And then they'll address maybe some rule changes over the next 12 months. That won't all happen at once. So there's a scenario where a year from now, this is a healthier sport. But in the short term, it's problematic. Things are not going well. Um, and we could miss a month of the season. I don't, I don't think it'll necessarily be a full month. I think it might be less than that. But, yeah, we could miss some games. And as I speak to you guys, league officials are walking towards me. So I'm going to let you go. And if there's any news, I'll call you back. Thanks, Jesse. We appreciate a few moments of your time. Look forward to speaking with you soon. And, Harry, one of the things that I'm interested to see coming out of these talks between the owners and the players is where they're at with the service time manipulation for the clubs because right now these major league baseball clubs can determine when guys come up to the big leagues and when they're going to designate them for assignment, when they're going to send them back down. And ultimately this can span over a stretch of six or seven seasons. And you're talking about guys not having an opportunity to get closer to free agency, the clubs being able to manipulate when that service clock actually starts. And I know that's a big sticking point for the players. It's comparable to accredited seasons in the national football league and how we don't have an opportunity to get the free agency. We don't have an opportunity to get pension until you have those four credited seasons at a minimum. And so that's where they're at um, with Major League Baseball players. And we know with the emergence of analytics and how they value players being on the right side of 30, by the time a lot of these guys that are highly touted prospects have a chance to get a bite at the apple in free agency, you're already talking about the, the most expensive years that they can earn in the club's eyes being already wasted away. So I think that's one of the interesting aspects of these negotiations is how will they handle service clock manip- service time manipulation uh, and, and how hard the players will push back against ownership and their ability to do that. Yeah, Chris, and I think another way um, it can be said is that the players in this whole ordeal, one of the things that they're actually asking for is that they want the product on the field to be compensated, right? Not the owner's pocket. So I think that's a big thing in this ordeal. And I'll be honest with you, being around Atlanta, a team that wore the, uh, won the World Series, it's going to be a big thing if Major League Baseball can't start on time because a lot of people down there in Atlanta, they're anticipating that start and wanting to be there for opening day. But you also around the United States right now, you have people who, who are trying to get into baseball and they see this lockout going on. They may be drawing their their services back from it. And the game has not been what it was, I'll say, before the first lockout that we had when they had to cancel the World Series that year, right? You've seen you had to have a Mark McGuire, a Barry Bonds home run ordeal go on to bring uh, more light to baseball and, and, and it get more, more views that way. But I think right now at the point where the game is, this is not good for baseball. 
because I think it pushes people away from actually getting into it and watching it if they haven't done so their entire life. Yeah, Harry, baseball already has a problem when it comes to being an entertainment product that people are are going to prioritize and consuming, right? When yep. we start talking about sports entertainment, football is king in this country, and then you're talking about college football and pro football being lumped together, but then also basketball, the NBA, and then baseball, it seems like, is right there fighting for share right around, you know, being second or third, uh, or no, excuse me, being third or fourth, and it feels like if they don't start the season on time, they're going to lose more share when it comes to, you know, what people are going to prioritize, what people are going to value more, where they're going to spend their hard-earned dollars. Are you going to invest in baseball? Or are you going to invest in the NFL or in college football or in college or college or in, uh, in the NBA? I think there's there's always this competition when it comes to sports entertainment products, and baseball potentially could lose its place if you're talking about an extended lockout and not getting the season started in a timely fashion where you're talking about fans being able to have the opportunity to consume baseball this summer. So something to be concerned with, always something to watch, but um, it's definitely something that's a real possibility because you're talking about a sport that's dealing with an aging demographic Mm -hmm. as far as their fan base is concerned. And a lot of it is just the nature of the game, the amount of inactivity in the game, but then also the public bickering between the union and the MLB owners over money. That can't be something that bodes well for them in their financial future. This could be one of those situations where both sides lose if we're talking about an extended lockout. But coming up next, is Pittsburgh's quarterback of the future currently on their roster? Harry and I will weigh in on that. But first, a word from Vivid Seats. With the safe return of live events, you can actually be there to catch all the action in person with Vivid Seats. That's right. Every alley-oop, every one-timer, and every sideline grab can be experienced live. And with Vivid Seats rewards, you can earn rewards like free tickets. All you have to do is collect stamps, redeem, and repeat. It's that easy. From upper level to courtside, Vivid Seats has you covered for all the events that matter to you. So grab your tickets today and cheer on your favorite team from the stands. Visit VividSeats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats, life happens live. ESPN Radio. HD and CC on ESPN Radio and ESPN Plus. Harry Douglas and Chris Canty. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Get at us on the Twitter at ChrisCanty99 at HDouglas83. And Harry... The Pittsburgh Steelers, one of the teams you brought up as a potential landing spot for a quarterback in free agency or a quarterback via trade this offseason, they've got a tough decision to make in the wake of Ben Roethlisberger on who the successor is going to be. They've got a couple of in-house candidates in Mason Rudolph and in Dwayne Haskins, but they've also been rumored to be in the market to draft a quarterback high. They've got a top 20 selection, so that could be an avenue that they use to add a quarterback to this roster. But then there's also some people that are of the mind that they might have their quarterback of the future already on the team. And so (laughs) we had to go to our very own Ryan Clark, ESPN NFL analyst, to see what he thought about Mason Rudolph potentially being that guy after getting the endorsement from former general manager Kevin Colbert. 
we know that Mason Rudolph is at best an average quarterback. And if you're the Pittsburgh Steelers, the reason that this team is thought of the way that they are, the reason that this organization is revered in the NFL is because they consistently put out championship contenders. Mason Rudolph will not make this team a championship contender. And so if they decide that he's going to be their starting quarterback headed into this NFL season in 2022, the Pittsburgh Steelers have decided that they are no longer the organization we remember. Yeah, Harry, I mean, listen, I, I think he's pretty clear on that. Mason Rudolph ain't that dude. He's had an opportunity to be a starter. I want to say he's played in 10 games. He's got a 5-4-1 and one record. Um, but certainly he's not going to wow you with the physical tools, the upside. He's a guy that you look at as a bridge to whatever you want to do next. And in the current state of the Pittsburgh Steelers, I don't know if that's enough to rest on your laurels this offseason. I think you have to be aggressive and try to look for an opportunity to upgrade. Yeah, when you look at Mason Rudolph, he had an opportunity in 2019 to play an extensive, an extensive amount of snaps um, as a starter, right? He threw 13 touchdowns and nine interceptions. Not that good. But then mm -hmm. you look at Mason Rudolph and, and you say to yourself, well, I'll, I'll say this. You look at Colbert at first. I think one of the problems that a lot of GMs and executive people have is identifying when they've made a mistake. And Kevin Colbert, I think he has to say what he has to say right now uh, because he brought in Mason Rudolph, and that's his guy at the moment. And you want to instill that confidence. It's, it, it, it's just in case at any point he has to be the starter. But at the same time, we've seen what this football team looked like with an aging Big Ben. We've seen what this football team looked like under Mason Rudolph, who happened to get Donkey Kong uh, by Miles Garrett. <laughs> but that's for another day. But I, I just think, and I believe everything that Ryan Clark just said, if the Pittsburgh Steelers, now this year they were the laughing stock of the NFL at one point because they did not look like the Pittsburgh Steelers that we are accustomed to seeing win and, 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 and showing that grit and grinding and being that physical team. Yeah, Harry, but you can set your watch to it. When it's a Mike Tomlin coach Steelers team, they're going to find a way to oh, be over 500. But, That's just what it is. But with Mike Mason Tomlin's Rudolph, not going to be below 500. But I'm not taking my chances with Mason Rudolph. Mm. Not with you, – you, you just seen what Joe Burrow just did, the Cincinnati Bengals. They're not getting any worse. Then mm -hmm. you look at the Baltimore Ravens. They were decimated by injuries this year. Lamar Jackson's going to have a chip on his shoulder to come back and, and show what he can do. Now, Cleveland, uh, you can grit your teeth because Baker Mayfield hasn't been good. I also don't think Kevin Stefanski in, 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 in Cleveland is using guys to, to the best of their abilities as well. So when you look at a, a, a competitive standpoint, if you want to stay afloat in the AFC North and have a chance to go to the playoffs again, I think Mason Rudolph being your quarterback and being your starter is not the way to do it. Because well, you, go ahead, go but, ahead, Harry. Because I, I don't think that receiving core and those guys who want the football from the quarterback believe in them like that. Well, Harry, and I'm with you a thousand percent. I, I think that when you have Mason Rudolph as your quarterback, it's always going to be a lot to be desired. And those guys in the locker room, Mike Tomlin and the new general manager, have to be accountable to them. And so I think they have to do their due diligence when it comes to quarterbacks. But it's not just about competing against the other guys in the AFC North. It's about competing against all the other teams in the conference. It's a conference that has Derek Carr. They have Josh Allen. They have Pat Mahomes. They have, you know, you know you've got a lot of guys. You've got Justin Herbert. You've got a lot of young quarterbacks in that, in that conference that you're going to have to contend with. You've got a lot of quarterbacks that can put a lot of points on the board. And so I think that has to be the focal point for the Steelers organization in charting a path forward at the quarterback spot. Do we have a guy under center 
that can help us go blow for blow with the upper echelon quarterbacks in our conference. And right now, I don't see that guy on their roster. Now, do they see that guy in the draft? The, the, the question will remain until we get to April 28th. But the one thing I will tell you is this, coming out of the Senior Bowl, there was a lot of chatter about Liberty University quarterback Malik Willis and how he was able to throw the ball, especially in the elements, because you did have some rain down in Mobile during that week. And when he threw the football, there was a clear difference in terms of driving it downfield in comparison to some of the other quarterbacks that were down there, Kenny Pickett from Pitt included. So I think that's one of the things, one of the avenues that the Steelers should seriously look at when you look at all of the investments that they've made on the defensive side of the ball. If you get all of those guys back healthy and you do have the skill position core with Najee Harris in the backfield and those receivers – Adding a dynamic quarterback like Malik Willis, a guy that's a dual threat, a guy that you can retool and rebuild your offense around, I think it makes everybody better. When you got a quarterback that you can run read zone with Mm -hmm. and create some additional running lanes for Najee Harris or a guy that can be a threat to get the ball out on the perimeter and extend downs with either design run plays or with design dropbacks or rollouts, I think it adds a different dimension to this offense that the Steelers didn't have in the Big Ben era. So I think it has a chance to bring this Steelers offense up to modern times in the NFL when adding a quarterback that has that dimension. Yeah, and and Chris, you play defense. You know how difficult it is to have a dual-threat guy not just preparing for that that quarterback and his arm talent and the way he maneuvers the pocket, but actually have to uh, account for another runner runner in the backfield. That's very, very difficult, not just for defensive players, but for defensive coordinators when they're trying to game plan. And Lord and behold, don't let it be a guy like Lamar Jackson who can get out. And I actually think Malik Willis is of that caliber, not as as electric as Lamar Jackson, but he can get it done with his legs. We've seen him in the Senior Bowl do it. You've seen him at Liberty do it. So I just think that is a good pick uh, for the Pittsburgh Steelers. But I also do believe that the Pittsburgh Steelers can do it, uh, bringing another guy via trade and letting Malik Willis learn a little bit as well before he gets out there. Well, here's the thing. I I don't know if you want to do both because you're talking about significant draft capital if you're going to bring in a starting caliber quarterback and you're going to draft the guy with your first-round pick. But Malik Willis is right there with the same type of movement skills and Matt Corral be interested to see. Coming up next, was Jawan Howard's punishment severe enough, and should Wisconsin coach Greg Gard be suspended? We'll have the answer on ESPN Radio.